This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So we're back after a week off due to the polar vortex here in Chicago. Our office was actually closed due to that extreme cold. And yes, it really was, I don't know, something like negative 22 degrees in downtown Chicago. That's in the real temperatures. And no, I didn't go out in it. I did have to leave the office and go home in it partially as the temps were plunging down. And anyone who knows Chicago, there's a wind tunnel near the Willis Tower, which used to be the tallest building in the world and now is, I think, in the top 20 somewhere. But there's a wind tunnel right there. And literally, as we were walking down the street, um, just many of us on our commutes home, it was so cold with that wind already, with the temps starting to plunge down, that people were like screaming in that on that block, <laughs> screaming and running. Let's just say that that was happening. But that is now over, and it gave us an extra week off here so that I could take some extra time to contemplate what was going on with the value stocks. We're getting some earnings coming in. Things are changing, and um, a lot is actually going on. So this is a good little mini break. But let's get right into it because, as I said, it is uh, getting busy on the value side again. So technology stocks remain one of the hottest sectors on the stock market. These are the stocks everyone wants to talk about. We've talked about many of them here on the Value Investor Podcast over the last couple of years, including the um, now popular episode on can you buy the FANG stocks. That was from a while ago. I want to say maybe even 2017 now. Um, but we've, we've taken a look at it and we've talked about some stocks that were on the cheap that were on the tech side. But a funny thing is now happening in technology. Many of the what I consider the older tech companies are now maturing. That means that their growth is slowing. This is normal. That's what happens when um, smaller companies become mid caps and then large caps and then mega caps. And it's very hard to continue with that double digit growth rate either on earnings or especially on the sales side. And when that happens, a lot of companies cease to be the growth stocks that many investors bought originally and move into other categories. And a lot of times they move into value categories. So what we're seeing right now with some tech stocks is really kind of the end of an era. Many of these tech names used to be synonymous with the growth and excitement that we know with technology. And these are the companies that young people, you know, right out of school couldn't wait to work for, but now they no longer are. That's that's one little key there. If uh, the on-campus recruiting isn't as great as it used to be, that's a, that's a sign that maybe it's some of these companies are switching from the growth over more to the values. So in the early 1990s, as Microsoft and some of the other older tech giants were ascending, there were a bunch of books out about Microsoft at the time. Um, and a lot of them were focused on Bill Gates because he was young. He was the CEO. He was kind of the first of those, uh, in addition to Steve Jobs, of the kind of glamour tech CEOs. And one of the books that I read at that time was called Hard Drive, Bill Gates and the Making of the Microsoft Empire. And it's by James Wallace. Now, I'm not saying you should rush out and go read this book, although it would probably be kind of interesting now, knowing, um, looking back, knowing more about uh, Bill Gates and Microsoft 
um, in the rearview mirror now, but this was published in 1992. So a lot has happened since that book came out. But what struck me in this book and in several others I read about Microsoft at that time was that Bill Gates and Paul Allen, the co-founders, originally did a lot of business with IBM. And IBM was the old the old guard, you know, founded way decades before, around in the 1940s. That was like their parents' technology company. Microsoft was, you know, new, small startup. And they got involved with developing IBM's uh, disk operating system, the OS slash two, as it was called. Now, that original deal was for $50,000 contract, but the IBM never locked in an exclusive deal with Microsoft on that technology. And then Microsoft went on to develop Windows, a similar operating system, and they went off to sell that to many competitors of IBM. And now we know the rest of the story. But... At the time, like I said, Microsoft was this nimble, hungry company, this small startup, startup originally based in Albuquerque, and then they moved it to Seattle, and IBM was not. And that was talked a lot about in the book uh, about the new, young, dynamic um, company going into the old one, and the old one not really caring so much what this new these new guys were doing. So when you think of IBM, even today, you still think of it as a value stock. I mean, heck, Warren Buffett bought a big stake in it, you know, in the last decade, which he ultimately abandoned. But if you need any kind of sign that a company is a value stock, it would be Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway <laughs> diving in to buy the shares. So let's take a look at IBM now to kind of see where it stands, because I think most of us would agree that the it is not a growth stock. It is a value stock. It has a forward P in the value range of 9.7. So that's pretty cheap right there. It does have a price to sales ratio. That's not too bad either at 1.5. It's not quite under one yet, but uh, that's not so bad. But the price to book's a little high there, 7.3 times. It does pay a dividend. It's yielding almost 5%. It's at 4.7 right now. But take a look at those sales. And this is how you can tell that it's not a growth company. Sales are still on the decline. This is some of the problem over the last couple of years and why uh, Warren Buffett seemingly abandoned the stock was uh, they are still on the decline, expected decline by 1.6% in 2019 and another 0.3% in 2020. So that's also why you got the big dividend trying to reward investors who are sticking around while the sales growth is this slow, basically. So that's some of the hallmark classic signs of a value stock is that one, it's kind of out of favor. I don't I don't think many people, um, at least that I've seen on social media and whatnot, are really following IBM and the story there. They're not excited when those earnings are coming out, really. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's out of favor on the street. So that's kind of the classic signs. It's got these other class classic value fundamentals, at least on the forward PE side. And then it's rewarding you for sticking around with this bigger dip dividend. But other early era tech companies from the 60s, 70s, and 80s are starting to also make this transition from the growth to the value. So IBM made the transition a long time ago. It was like pretty obvious, as I said, in that book about Bill Gates, that IBM had already made the transition even by the early 1990s or even 
earlier in the 80s when um, Microsoft first approached IBM. So you can see it takes a while for this transition to happen and it doesn't usually happen overnight, but it is pretty obvious once it has occurred. So now we're getting kind of the second wave of companies that um, are slightly older, but not as old as IBM and now are also making the changeover to value. What about Microsoft itself now? Because that story I just told was from 1980 and that book was from 1992. So we're well into their history. Um, they were founded in the 1970s. So Microsoft's no longer the youngster on the block either. And maybe like five or 10 years ago, I would have said, oh yeah, they're, they're totally making the transition over to value because they used to be the number one campus recruiter. Everybody wanted to work for Microsoft in the 1990s. But by about you know, 2005, even during the Great Recession and a little bit after that, it was just, it was different. Nobody was, you know, beating down the doors to necessarily get in there um, like they were some of these other companies or the new emerging social media companies and that kind of thing. So, so where is Microsoft now? So I took a look. So the forward P is 24.3 now on, on this company. So that right there is not a value. Price to book is nine. Price to sale is seven. So it doesn't have any of the value fundamentals. Uh, sales actually are looking really nice with Microsoft as well. Fiscal 2019, sales expected to be up 12.3%. Fiscal 2020, almost another 10%. So we're still getting double-digit growths here by what I would consider to be a mature technology company. And um, so nothing is really screaming value at me here, neither on the value valuation side or the growth side. And some of that is because they have been making a lot of really strategic um, acquisitions, some of which were mocked at the time, but maybe now looking back was not um, as foolhardy as everybody thought. Some of those, remember, were um, Skype. They bought that for $8.5 billion in 2011. That was one of the ones that was mocked relentlessly, basically. But everybody's still using Skype right now. And then in 2016, one of their biggest acquisitions ever was LinkedIn. They bought that for $26 billion. And then just in 2018, another acquisition that I like a lot was for GitHub. That was for $7.5 billion. And that's that site for coders. And as of June 2018, that site had 28 million users on it. Uh, so the tech industry loves that site. It's a little dubious. Some of people were a little upset Microsoft buying it out. But I haven't heard any griping since the buyout. And um, so that was a big acquisition for them. So Microsoft continues to keep reinventing itself. It's not even really about Windows anymore, even though that is still bringing in a lot of revenue for them. But um, they now have the cloud, that which is huge for them, plus a lot of these other acquisitions, and they're going in a lot of different new directions. So they still have the growth component there. One of the old, old guard that uh, still is not yet making the transition over. So good for them. Um, but let's take a look at a couple of others around kind of what I consider to be the same era because they were all considered tech titans in the 1990s. So let's take a look at Intel, that ticker INTC. This is another one that if I'm tweeting out its earnings chart, nobody's, nobody's really tweeting back at me about it. 
And um, some of the valuations tell you why. So the PE is 11.1 now on Intel. That's pretty cheap. It's not as cheap as some of the others in this space, in the semi space, but that's pretty cheap, still a value stock. Price to book is 3.1. So it's right on the edge there of what I look for, which is three and under, but that's close enough. Price to sales a little bit higher at 3.3, but that's not too awful. But when you look at the sales growth, you can see why Intel now is a value stock. Sales growth, just point two, let's call it 0.2%. Um, it's going to be down that much in 2019. So down. And then 2020 expected a little bit of rebound of just 3.6. But again, for value stock, some of these metrics aren't so bad, but you just have to know going in as an investor, hey, I'm not buying it for the growth story here. I'm buying it for the cheapness side. Dividend is uh, available and it's 2.6%. So that's not super huge, but it's not among the lowest either. So that's Intel not showing any of the growth characteristics really anymore. Let's switch over to one of the other big tech titan names from the 1990s that used to be a huge glamour stock, but literally almost no one is talking about it anymore. And that's Cisco. CSCO is the ticker there. And as I said, this was one of the biggies in the 1990s. For years, it didn't even bother to pay a dividend because if you paid one, then you weren't a growth stock anymore. So it avoided paying it, but the, the outcry got too loud and they finally had to start um, paying it. So Cisco founded in 1984 and it IPO'd in 1990. So for the 1990s, which was the dot-com era, of course, it made Forbes list of the best performing IPOs. So that's how hot it was. And I found this little tidbit on Investopedia in an article by an author named Nathan Bueller. And it's from August, 2018. So last, last summer, and he talks about if you had $1,000 and you put it into Cisco's IPO in 1990, um, it would have given you 55.55 shares, apparently, and adjusted for stock splits through when this article was written on August 6, 2018, you would have had 15,998.4 shares out of your $1,000. So that's how many shares you would now have doesn't say if that is like re dividends reinvested into the shares or not. So um, I do not know that aspect. But you would have had 15,998.4 shares. And it's now worth, as of August 6th, 2018, your $1,000 is worth $692,730.72. So that's not too shabby. That's the growth stock. That's the growth stock uh, outlook right there. Um, so pretty impressive. But is it still that growth stock or has it moved into the value? So now we know it does pay a dividend now and that is yielding 2.8%. So finally caved into the outcry. It's paying that dividend because it still has got the cash flow. PE, 15.7. I kind of look at that and I'm like, that's a little bit on the high side for me, depending on if it's a growth stock or a value stock though, right? So price to sales, 4.3. Price to book ratio is 5.2. So none of those scream value at me. Taking a look at the sales growth, fiscal 2019, 4.4%. Fiscal 2020, 3.1. So you get a little bit of growth there. It's not awful for a company this size, this mature. But the stock, this isn't really cheap enough for me to want to dive in there. It's not just not cheap enough. If I could get that PE down a bit more and that price to sales, price to book down a little bit more into the true value 
area, then I would um, like this much more as a value. But I don't really consider this to be much of a growth stock either. It's a little bit in no man's land right here. But I'm going to keep watching it to see if it can get in into that value territory because this is one that is making the transition like these all are mostly into value stocks. So you got to get that value if, if you are in one of these transitioning type stocks. Now, another one that I know is on a lot of your uh, lips right now in the tech side and that I think is still making the transition, even though some are in denial about it is the um, Apple. So AAPL is the ticker there. They too founded way back, was it the 70s? It might have been the 70s. I, f I didn't look up the exact, it, mu it must have been because the Mac ad was in the early 1980s. So this is a similar era as Microsoft, but this one is starting to really make that transition now. And after 15 years of growth, and the iPhone being introduced in 2007, um, you're starting to see that growth slow now because it doesn't have like the new big product anymore. And the first clue that maybe this was transitioning from the growth to the value really should have been when um, Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway announced that they had bought shares. When was that now? That's several years ago now, 2016. So maybe he was just, he was on the cutting edge of recognizing um, that this was a value stock and it's no longer the growth stock everybody thinks it is. Let's take a look at the valuations though. PE is now back up to 15.3. It was trading at 13.8 after they had their earnings warning out and the stock plunged down. So it was a little bit cheaper then. I was liking it a little bit more as a value investor and I was contemplating buying it in the value investor portfolio that I manage here at Zacks, but I did not because I didn't like some of the other things going on with it right now. So we held off and now it's more expensive. I'm liking it even less now. Price to book is still 7.3. Three price to sales is 3.2. None of that screams value at me, but let's take a look at the sales. So sales expected to be down 4.2% in fiscal 2019 and up just 3.1 in 2020. So we're now starting to see the real um, value growth potential. This again, is not the 3.1% isn't awful depending on what you're paying for the stock. So that's where the value versus growth dynamic really comes in. What are you willing to pay for these earnings and these sales? When it's a growth stock, the answer always is, I don't care. <laughs> I'm willing to pay almost anything because I'm getting that growth. But once it transitions over into the value, you really have to start paying attention to what am I actually paying to get this? And you want to get it as cheap as you can. So right now, to me, Apple just not really cheap enough again. And it's still in the midst of the transition. feel like it's still going to be pretty rocky here until the growth investors who still own it and who've owned it for the last 10 years realize, hey, this has changed now. It's no longer a growth stock it's a value stock. So while that's happening, I feel like it's going to be a little shaky here. Um, but let's switch over one more time to another company that um, has already made the transition. And you can kind of see what has happened with one that has made the transition. And this is Sony. So kind of like IBM, it's been around for a really long time. It's uh, headquartered 
in Japan. It's a Japanese company. Ticker is SNE. I've talked about Sony several times on the Value Investor podcast over the last couple of years because it has been cheap and it continues to be. But it has completely made the transition into a value stock. And let's look at those valuations and you'll see why. So not only is the PE cheap, it is a PE of 8.3, but price to book is 1.6. Price to sales is just 0.8. Those are all classic uh, value fundamentals right there. So it doesn't just have the one and then, you know, the others are kind of expensive. No, across the board, it is cheap. And that PE is among the lowest PEs for this company in the last like two decades. So <laughs> everyone's abandoned it. This is like the deep value of Sony's the deep value. But Sony used to be the hottest tech company on the planet. I know for some of you listening, you're like, what, Tracy? No, what are you even talking about? But it had one of the most successful products on the technology side ever in its arsenal, the Sony Walkman. Let's, let's bow to the Sony Walkman for just one second here because the Sony Walkman was the iPhone or the iPod even of its generation. It was first introduced in July 1979 and it sold for $150, which actually is kind of expensive even right now. But in 1979, that was like insane, <laughs> super expensive. And we all wanted one. We all were like begging for it for every holiday. The price did come down, but, um, you know, they couldn't keep it in stock. It started off as a cassette recorder. You pop the cassette in and then you can walk around listening to music. And again, right now, this doesn't seem very groundbreaking, but at the time it was huge. Like you could shut out your parents on the car ride uh, to grandma's house by just like sticking on the headphones and turning it on and they couldn't they couldn't do anything so this was huge and it ultimately went from cassette to cd when those became popular and then to mp3 and now you can get the device and stream it but it's really now an app on the phone so the sony walkman's still kind of alive but the company did retire the actual cassette line in 2010 and according to verge they have sold over 400 million of the Sony Walkman devices in its many iterations, and 200 million of them were cassettes. So this is just a huge product. And um, but then it's kind of gone away. And while Sony has many other product lines, it has uh, struggled over the years on making the transition from having like the super hot product that it could rely on to trying to come up with new products and new product lines. So it's finally managing to do that over the last five years. So over the last five years, these shares are actually up 160%. And that's versus 48.9 for the S&P 500 during that time. Um, but again, it was like in the wilderness for many years. Only recently has it managed to come back. Um, but just taking a look at it, some more and you'll see that it it's been a rough road unless you got in later when it has fully transitioned over to the value type of stock. So now it has, and now it's, it has the strategy in place the last couple of years. And so that has turned the stock around as well. Um, and so that is all, all a super positive thing, but 
if you were in it 20 years ago, you were looking at the stock as a gross stock. Now it has multiple product lines. It's the biggest music publisher in the world with EMI Publishing, which it now is bought out completely. It has the PlayStation that has been hot for it. It's got gaming on that side. Um, it also has uh, some of its other hardware. The phone that it launched is not doing all that well, actually, at all. So that's been a bust. But its cameras are still uh, selling quite well. Yes, some people are actually buying physical cameras that aren't in their phones still. And so they are one of the big producers of cameras now. And so that has been um, a surprise hit for them, but it's a small little revenue stream for them. But um, still, Sony has all these different avenues. And if you want to know kind of where Apple may be headed, look at Sony and look at the transition it's had to do to get to a value stock and to get uh, various revenue streams separate from its big hot product. And Apple is probably going to go into that same uh, path, the same trajectory. It's got the services already. It has the Apple Watch. It's already starting to feel out its life after the iPhone is not the growth driver. The iPhone's not going anywhere and it's still producing tons of revenue, but the it's no longer the growth driver it once was. So um, this is the problem when you are transitioning over and a lot of investors have the trouble because you are a growth investor and you're in it for the growth, especially with a company like Apple. You were in it because you bought that iPhone. You're, you're very loyal to the products. People love the Sony Walkman. They were they bought Sony televisions because they loved it. They loved the Sony name and its reputation for quality. And so as stock investors, you fall in love with the stock and then you believe that that growth story is still going on. But in reality, the iPhone is now 12 years old. It'll be 12 years old this summer of 2019. So that's quite an old product now, surprisingly. <laughs> I know we don't really think about it like that, but it is. And so it's hard sometimes to make this transition over. Maybe some of these companies will become more like Microsoft and they will uh, avoid becoming value stocks because they're able to find new ways for the growth side of the model. And so we'll keep an eye out on that and see if some of these are able to do it. But also keep in mind, there's nothing wrong with becoming a value stock. Many, many value stocks for many decades have been very good stock performers, um, it just matters on getting it cheap enough to to pay attention to what you're paying for those earnings. And um, then you're also getting with some of these companies, you know, a very nice little dividend to add on to it as well. So value isn't always bad. Keep that in mind as well. Um, but you know, this will be an interesting story to watch and we're going to be covering it here as we continue on with the Value Investor Podcast. So let's recap some of the stock tickers we talked about in case you're interested in looking at some of these because many of them, if not almost all of them, are almost value stocks here or they already are. So we had IBM, ticker IBM. We have Apple, of course, AAPL, Cisco. They haven't reported yet as of this recording here in early February, but they're at C. CSCO, Sony is SNE, 
Intel is I-N-T-C, and then Microsoft, still in the growth category, M-S-F-T. So if you'd like to hear more of our value podcasts, be sure to subscribe. We are on Spotify, and I know some of you are listening over there. We're working on getting all of our shows on Spotify, but the value investor is there. So definitely get us on Spotify, or you can also get us on Apple Podcasts as a standalone show, or you can get two for one. You can get two podcast shows on the same platform on SoundCloud, but you have to find us under Zach's Market Edge over there. So you'll get the Market Edge podcast and the Value Investor podcast every week over there. But wherever you get us, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And I'll be back again with some more value stocks next week.